In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 396. Oh damn, we're that close, huh? Yes, the episode 400, much like Thanos, is inevitable. Oh, uh, well, uh, we are taking your ideas, guys, on, on what you would like to see for episode uh, 400 then. Because we have no idea, because we just did the uh, State of the Green Lantern Union where we had a bunch of people on, so... Uh, it, it never fails, man. Like, we, we'll have, like, whatever we do, like, it's either, like, uh, a big number episode or an anniversary episode or something like the State of the Union thing where somehow those end up being back-to-back together, whether like that or a Christmas episode or something like that. Every time we have like a group a group episode, there's always another one that would merit a group episode very close to it. Yeah, I I, th- I mean I don't know about four with four hundred. I'm not I'm not as necessarily married to making that one a a huge from a from a size perspective or a length perspective. I'm not necessarily sure that we need to make that one huge just to make it huge. Um, I mean picking a picking an interesting topic would probably be wise. Um. Which and we do have a bunch of topics, guys. We're not going to give you the list, obviously, but Mark and I have met and we have discussed some uh, some ideas for some future episodes. Especially since we have no idea when we're going to be getting a reliable source of current material to do. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, so, but yeah, as as we as we wind a little closer, we'll and we'll go through our list of go through our list of topics. We'll. We'll try to narrow it, try to narrow it down. But if you do have a, if there's, if anybody has any great uh, epiphany of what they would, something that they would like to see uh, of, and we haven't done, that feel free to call us, seven away lantern, or, or shoot us an email, uh, lanterncast at gmail and we still have time because again we're, we don't, we do not have a set schedule as in what we're planning for the next, even the next two episodes. We just have a general list. Yeah, and we can, I mean, hell, we could theoretically even pad it out by uh, throwing in uh, a couple of newer uh, spinoff episodes or whatever if that we is, wanted that to. Is, that is true, too. There, there, is probably a, there is probably a decent chance of at least, of at least one spinoff be adding another, almost like a skip week from a regular episode number. So that so it's not necessarily, not necessarily that we only have three more 
you know, three more episodes or three more weeks. It may not necessarily be just three weeks. It could be, it could be longer. So yes. So there's, there's still time. <laughs> so send in your letters to, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, speaking of the stuff we've discussed to co- to cover, we've uh, already checked one box off the list. So what are we talking about tonight? Tonight we are doing going back into one of our it's in our it's one of our favorite wheelhouses we like to go back to. Uh, we're going back to the Silver Age. So we're going back all the way to what is this 1964? Yes, January of 1964. Which is kind of funny when you get to the end with Hal and Carol about a uh, Hal statement. It's like here we are, all this time later, and it still hasn't happened. <laughs> that uh, January, January of 1964, with issue number 26 of Hal Jordan's Green Lantern run, with the main story being Star Sapphire unmasked Green Lantern, and the backup story, which we'll let's, we'll, we'll just wait till we get into it to talk about it. But it is it is topical, and it's kind of funny that. This was an issue of one point when we were throwing out Silver Age issues because I, I would prefer to do Silver Age issues that I physically have, if not necessarily have just the, the individual uh, book itself, but in a, in a collection, I'd rather have it than do it digital, which is funny. That's one of the questions. A oh, good job, by the way, on, on the podcast of OA. Uh, oh, yeah, we should talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's talk, uh, about, let's talk about that because it's – because, because that was one of the questions like you, we both got asked about hard copies versus versus digital, and I and I'm a big digit I'm a big hard copy guy, so 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 before go ahead yeah no 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 go ahead you were on there most recently so let's talk about your experience man no I want I wanted to I just wanted to wrap this up before we segue back into it so that's so we had had this issue as one of the possibilities before and it might have actually it might have been something we discussed long before we got to the. So, so it became topical again. The second, the backup story because of Morrison, but we, but this was something that was discussed at one point, and I think it was pushed back. But yes, so we both were on in successive weeks on the podcast of Oa. Chad was on last week, so if you haven't listened to it yet, please check it out. And which you were here here for the first time, the world exclusive of Chad actually telling the actual story about how he and I <laughs> got the show, which is good because I, because because I told the. Because I got to tell the untold secret origin of how, I, how I got, we got the show. Uh, um, but 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 we but in 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 our conversation, like going over what we are going to be doing, like coming up with ideas for future episodes of the show, um, I actually pulled up the the message thread, the Facebook message thread between me, Dan Kurtzke, Jim Ford, and I think James was in on it at that time too, uh, about kind of you know. How how Mark's name came into it and everything. So uh, it's it's sort of ironic that Myron had asked us to be on the show and uh, individually, and then had asked that question when only very recently had it become very clear about what the actual like we I was able to share with you the details of how that conversation went in reality. So that was kind of cool. Yes, that that is true, and and in our in our pregame warm up talk yesterday, based on just chit chatting, it, it it became. I I was kind of hoping it would come up in the actual episode, but because of the chit chat we were having, it made they made it clear that they were going to ask follow up questions about that based on this what we were talking about to start with. So it's like, oh good, it's like oh good, so we can so we can we can have a little fun with that. So we did. Uh, it was it was fun. It went by quick. It, a, it did. Yeah. 
it, it's it's i mean I, it, everybody's gonna laugh and make you know make little jokes and everything but honestly speaking it's weird to just talk about yourself usually like right. you'll go on a on an episode of another podcast and you'll talk about you know the show and yourself for a minute because you know the atypical questions get you get when you guest on someone else's show is like how did you get into comics or how did you get in this character and then hey you know once you're done you know just promote any of the stuff that you have ongoing and for us we just talk about the lantern cast but in this case the reason you were coming on is to talk about yourself so that was weird <laughs> it's weird but it was but in a way it it's more. I made it more relaxing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you didn't have to do any prep. It was just a conversation. For yeah, sure. for, I mean, for some for some people, it, it it could be. I mean, depending on one's makeup, some people are are better if they're if they know there's a topic and they, and they get to prepare. And as opposed to not just wasn't entirely flying off the cuff because I I knew you know generally speaking some of the things I we were going to talk about just by listening to you know what they asked you but just generally speaking i it's not like yes i had to be particularly well versed in a in an, in an issue or or a, a major topic or else i was going to look like an idiot and it, it was it made it it was one of the things that i noticed it's like we've t- i've talked about this on this show before about how from a podcasting perspective I have the I have the podcasting version of the Dorothy Parker quote about like I hate I hate record it's like I hate recording but I love having recorded so is that with the writing, you know, with her quote about writing that I hate writing but love having written that that's how I feel often about recording, regardless of the topic. And it has nothing to do with Chad. And it has nothing to do with even if it's a topic that I, you know, that that it's important to me or that I picked. I mean, it's it it's just something that the 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 thought of sitting down and doing it very rarely is overly exciting. When you're in it, it's it's fine and it's cool. And then when you and then as soon as it's done, you feel good about having having done it. So it was an interesting take because I did not, in a situation like that, I did not have that you know I didn't have that not anxiety, but I just didn't have that feeling or or any concern about it. It was just like it was just look just looking forward looking forward to it, and that's something that's that kind of struck me. Which is especially true lately because I record at the same spot I work now. So it's very difficult for me to uh, really love jumping into recording because, like, for me, you know, it's 9.16 right now, my time, as we record this uh, p.m. I got off work at 6.30, meaning I stood up from this place I'm sitting at right now just a couple hours ago walked over, grabbed some dinner, and just the, came back over, switched the computers out uh, on my setup, and I'm back in the same chair I was in for the past 10 hours uh, on my job because I work for 10-hour days. So it even more so feels like work because it, I'm literally in the same space. Uh, so it's always it, – it, I think it's especially good that, uh, you know, Mark made us sit down and and uh, do that list of stuff we want to cover, not just to be prepared, but like it gives us like an idea of what we're actually passionate about wanting to record soon. So especially with this this covid stuff and the the stop of the stop of the publication of dc although dc is supposedly picking back up again we'll see how all that goes the distributors we're not going to get into that tonight guys uh if you want to get into it you know where to find news on that all over the internet so go for it if you want but um yeah i mean we just 
there's there's no new stuff coming out. We might as well review whatever the heck we want. So I think it was probably good we sat down and and talked about that uh, because uh, it was going to get old real fast sitting in this 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 space in the same space that I work doing this podcast. No, I I trust me, I I get it. It's uh, even though there certainly seems to be. Sh- at least for now, some light at the end of the COVID tunnel as far as things opening up here and there slowly, slowly but surely, depending on where you are. Uh, but the reality is still, from a from a new, from a new uh, book perspective, we don't know, we don't really know yet how we're going to, uh, how often we're going to get stuff and when it's going to come out. Because even if, even if DC really starts shipping new books like in May, like they're supposed to. Who, depending on where you are, the stores may not be open yet, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so it really comes down to again, the, you know, right now that right now digital, you know, digital is king. It's like in the, and the, and the land of the comic deprived. You know, the the, the one-eyed man with the digital copy is copy is king, and that's what and that's really what it is. Assuming you know, the digital's arrive, but as we know for some of the some of the Green Lantern books, that even the digitals haven't been coming out. So. But we'll see. Yeah. So we figured it made, it made sense to come up with a game plan. Obviously, if if the Green Lantern and Far Sectors are coming out again, then obviously we can always plug and play those in any time we want once we have new material. But it, it was a good idea to come up with at least a blueprint towards things that we things that we know we could do, or we at least had had discussed and, and were in agreement upon. And then there's also stuff that you know the next the next tier of things that we probably haven't. We haven't really ironed out yet, but we just have a general idea of where where we're going for at least like I don't know six six to eight episodes. So that that that's something at least for sure. And one last thing about the 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 blog of Oa slash podcast of Oa's uh, little thing there they were doing. They didn't just have us on. They've been having other fan pe- people who are you know avid active Green Lantern fans on the show for this segment because, you know, just like we discussed, there's not actually not a lot of content out there that we can cover. So they decided to turn stuff inward and focus on the fandom. And it was a fantastic idea. I wish we thought of it, but uh, they're doing a great job with it. So that's why they had Mark on uh, most recently. So it'll be the, the episode that comes out this week, I assume. Uh, and then me on before that, which uh, the, came out last week. Uh, and then they've had, a, I think, a couple of those uh, before then. So... Yes, a, a, a good idea that they corner the market sometimes in good ideas. Hopefully, on occasion we do as well. But <laughs> no, I still hear I still hear sometimes about some of the ideas we've had. Um, I know I know one of the big ones was uh, that got a lot of buzz was uh, uh, what could have been the episode where we talked about what Colin Bunn's uh, oh what series. if the what if the what yeah, it might and, have been. And, yeah, and then the, um, the that same episode we talked about the original script for the Green Lantern movie. Right. Yeah, we that's true. Those were those were the main. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we did we did we like we did like a review of the script. That's what we yeah, that's what we that's I think right. what we did on that one. And uh, that was one of your ideas the just that we covered the original script at some point. Be, yeah, because it was I mean because it was so available because I mean mm-hmm. it was so readily available the the version with the. Alan Scott version, if you will, uh, it was so readily available, and just to do, just to do a, a drag and drop contrast when you know before you know 
parallax became you know the factor in it and, and alan scott got removed from it and and all that stuff so yeah that was that 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 was that was a that was a fun episode all right but uh now that that's all out of the way we got green lantern number 26 so this is uh if i'm not mistaken this is the second appearance of star sapphire i think right? that is correct i think that is correct and they certainly do a and they they certainly do a major you know the issue 16 i guess was the secret life of star sapphire so 10 10 issues apart it would seem between appearances and they give you a pretty lengthy recap of her first appearance which is probably the main reason why yes not just based on cues in the in the issue but just logically it's like since they're recapping you know her quote unquote origin so much that yes it probably makes sense that this is her second appearance for sure all right man the floor is yours all Go right so we're going to we're going to try to be a fit now these issues should these this the main story in this issue just reeks of Silver Age. <laughs> I mean, not the mere written. Oh, I ruined it! Damn it! <laughs> damn! <laughs> edit I can, me I out, can edit it out. No, you, it doesn't really matter, I suppose. But the backup story kind of reeks of it too, but not but not as blatantly as this one with the whole the whole plot the the whole master plan of Star Sapphire is so incredibly cringeworthy when you think about it. But but it, but it makes for a nice, straightforward story. So, Star Sapphire unmasked Green Lantern. We have a nice little open, the typical opening splash page with Hal trying to... It's kind of funny because they kind of look like the Zudarian, the way the Zudarians were, were drawn, you know? Back yeah, a little in, bit. Back in the day, they, that's that's kind of the way Tomar and, and everybody was, was drawn. They didn't have the, 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 the long beaks. But Hal's trying to subdue these aliens as they're trying to attack Fer- uh, Ferris, I believe, based on the, what happens in the story. And, of course, his, the aliens just keep marching right through his green power beams. And it's like he's trying to figure out why. The story begins with, but now that that's, as always, with, with the, the classic Silver Age. That, that's just a scene from later on in the story. Uh, we begin with Carol. Carol's in her office at Ferris, and she's... She has a strange, you know, compulsion or desire, you know, to, to go for a drive and to get out, get out of the office, and she ends up going to the police department and at like the odd lots room where they basically have, you know, all these uh, remnants of unsolved mysteries and all this stuff. And some, and in this room is the Star Sapphire. The and as soon as she, uh, as soon as she gets close to it, and then she picks it up, and lo and behold, she's Star Sapphire again. We kind of get the origin story of. Of the Zamorans recruiting her to be their queen. Of course, they were they are human-looking Zamorans, uh, not, not not like the current batch of Zamorans. And we get a recap of, the, of of her of her fight with her fight with Hal, and this this the whole sub, the whole subplot of this movie. I mean, this movie, this whole story is the fact that. Carol is trying to weaken Hal Jordan's uh, slash Green Lantern's willpower, so Green Lantern will have no choice but to propose marriage to her. <laughs> That's a pretty damning indica- uh, indictment when you think about it. It's like the only way to get him to ma- ask me to marry him is if I break his will. <laughs> uh, read into that as much as you may, people. Uh, meanwhile, ha- while, while all this is going on. Green Lantern Hal is in the still he's also at at the police department talking to the police chief and they have the ever the ever creatively named Copter Gang because they rob with helicopters <laughs> that basically Hal 
you know, Hal's kind of being recruited, you know, to make sure he stops the copter gang before before they can pull off another heist. Of course, Star Sapphire not only uses her her powers to, which seem to be all-purpose powers, mind you, jack-of-all-trade powers when she needs them to be. Not only can she just make the wall, you know, use her powers on the wall so she can completely hear perfectly in the in the next room, she also puts this little hex on Hal where time seems to slow down for Hal, which enables her to go and do the apprehension and take out the, uh, the copter gang by herself and... When Hal realizes it's Star Sapphire, he's kind of, you know, he, he's he's kind of concerned because because technically she's a she's a criminal too, technically, and Star Sapphire and Hal return back to the police police department with the copter gang in tow, and of course the police chief at first is like, oh, thank you, Green Lantern, and he's like, well, she actually did it. And he's he's all happy about that, <laughs> and Hal's like, well, don't be so happy. She's kind of a crook. And he's like, as long as she keeps catching, you know, criminals like the Copter Gang, I don't really care. It's like, okay, that 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 that's not exactly the answer Hal wanted. Uh, another policeman runs in and says, hey, there's some weird aliens attacking uh, you know, the Ferris aircraft plant. So Hal and and Carol go off in tandem to try to deal with this threat. And now we get to the scene we saw on the opening splash page with these uh, chubby-looking. Ver- Silver Age Zudarians, pretty much, and how you know how tries to trap him with his these power beams, and it's like it doesn't work, and he creates a bubble that seemingly can keep them out, but all of a sudden, oh, they they kind of dissipate, and then they return inside the bubble and then around the bubble, and how how fi- is figuring out what's going on, and and, he, and I think we all kind of figured out relatively quickly. What's really going on here is that Carol's the one creating these aliens with her, with her power, and you know, Hal, you know, he's he kind of like he he scoops up, uh, <laughs> I think he scooped up the buildings and everything else, and uh, but that's when he figures out what's going on because they looked up before Hal was able to use his energy construct to scoop up the buildings to protect them from the aliens, so Hal kind of figured, oh, somebody has to know, you know, this is why Carol's orchestrating it, because she's she's able to read, figure out what he's about to do before he does it, so thus her constructs, constructs are reacting in the same way. Um, now, now they have a... Hal kind of calls her on this to a certain extent, and then pretty much says, hey, you know, uh, if you really want me to marry you, all you have to do is figure out a way to get my mask off, which is yeah, that seems like another <laughs> another winning proposition. She uses her all-purpose sapphire powers to kind of like uh, to track Hal, you know. I, of course, back to back to Ferris, really, to uh, to to where he keeps his locker and keeps his uh, his power battery. And she's like <laughs> she she like attaches herself to the ceiling, supposedly invisible. She views all this, so she she you know she realizes what's going on, and while and while Hal's too busy doing what he's doing, recharging. She uses her powers by hitting the battery while he's recharging and all this stuff, and boom, miraculously enough, her you know, the mask gets pulled off his face. And it's like, oh, it's like you must live up. You must live up to your uh you know, to your end of the bargain. And and Hal kind of turns it on her and says, Well, sure, but you should take your mask off too, so I should know who I'm gonna you know, who I'm gonna marry. As soon as the mask comes off, it's like he realizes it's Carol, because then he, of course he says her Full name out loud, not just Carol. And as soon as he does that, it's like the it's almost like an anti. It's like a the reverse 
or a Shazam effect on her. As soon as he says her name, she she return, you know, she returns to normal. You know, he kind of like uh, he he, he, pro- he you know he probes her mind to face to get the origin of how she became Star Sapphire, and the the threat of Star Sapphire is ended for now. But then we have Hal pretty much saying, hey, you know, at some point, <laughs> which is kind of funny of Hal reaching this conclusion that at some point when she becomes Star Sapphire again, it's like I'm gonna have to keep my word and marry her. And it's like, but you know, at the end of the day, whether Green's Green Lantern marries Star Sapphire, or whether Hal Jordan marries Carol Ferris. It's all the same. She and I will be husband and wife someday. <laughs> Still waiting on it. One of these days. Well, at least Jeff Johns had him married off, but it was, it was it's a it's a future we may never see. <laughs> um. So. Star Sapphire, the more powerful version of Firestorm, since she can create living objects, um, with the weakness, uh, with the less complex weakness, but similar to uh, Mr. Mitz's Pitlick. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, true. <laughs> the powers of Firestorm, the weakness of Mixie's Pitlick. <laughs> Except it's even weak. It's even weaker because she doesn't have to be tricked into saying it, <laughs> right? She just has yeah, to. So, she just has to hear somebody else say it, which is a really bad weakness. Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, she oh, she only needs she only needs to hear uh, me say it, so it seemed to work. All right. and, oh, there's Star Sapphire again. She's gonna cause all kinds of hell. Hey, Carol Ferris, and she falls out of the sky and dies. <laughs> Oops. Uh, did you want to talk about the ads up until this point, or did you want to wait till we're done talking about all the story first? Let's 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 do it at the end because that way we'll have time. I mean, I'll, it 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 seems like a good time to summarize everything of interest that one or might one or both of us might have picked up on. Okay, um, I like how the uh, <laughs> I like how the uh, off the uh, police uh, in uh, in Inco City have a I don't know. Bat cave of trophies next to the chief's office. Yeah, that, that, that whole that whole thing seemed like an it seemed like an odd thing that basically for anybody to be to walk in and take a look at. Here are here are all here are all souvenirs for our unsolved crimes. Also, the fact that the general public seems to know about it apparently. It's just like, don't you have like in just a regular evidence locker room? Like, what the hell? <laughs> Why do you why do you need this secret room with display cases and everything for all the shit you've encountered? Yeah, I don't know. Now people people in Coast City are obsessed with cataloging things, as we'll see in the next dip, uh, story. <laughs> as the uh, the famous logbook uh, or casebook uh, makes another appearance. <laughs> I know that was that was kind of funny too. When when like as soon as. Uh... Like Tom's wife is out of the picture, and like Hal's like, "Oh, I gotta tell you this story." <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or as it comes, as it, as you know, in the next in the next story, yes, it's. I mean, the way that the way that happens is like, "I gotta tell you this story. You're not gonna believe this one." <laughs> Wait till I spin you this yarn. Right. I've been waiting to tell you. Great fish hooks. Now give me one of them Eskimo beers. <laughs> you know, pie face. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, 
just kind of paging through here to see. It's definitely not a Grant Morrison story, folks. This one, this one is real easy to read and easy to understand. <laughs> so she can influence his mind, his sense of time. She can transmute objects. Um, and I guess the it it does it interfere with her mind is star sapphire a real personality that just takes her over or is it just causing her to split desires into their own personalities like if somebody else picked up the star sapphire would they get the exact same memories and personality and power set I don't think they would get the same memories. They would probably get the same power set because I think that's probably. Yeah. But I don't think they get the same memories. I think it. I think it influences her. I think. I think it influences her. Um. So. So it does kind of create like a like a break or another part of her psyche coming out, but it's. So I might react. So I might. Put, so how someone would react to the Star Sapphire gem could be different based on based on their makeup. It probably it probably react reacts the way it does with her because because she's you know, got the puppy dog eyes for Green Lantern. Well, I mean, uh, do 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 you know how superheroes have sex? At this instant, spread eagle to top the ceiling. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> And she blended in so well. I know, right? The re the room bathed in this emerald glow, and this pink and white woman spread eagle on the ceiling. <laughs> Plus, it's how you don't think he's got a mirror on his ceiling, so he's used to looking up. <laughs> oh God! Uh, uh, I, th- I thought that was hilarious. It's just you know, uh, manipulating minds, transmuting. Um, Stalking. <laughs> yeah, stalking. Uh, well, you know, it's Carol Ferris. She doesn't really need to be Star Sapphire for that. I think we've we've ascertained in the issues since before she actually became Star Sapphire. So, um, yeah, I don't necessarily see anything else. So, did he wipe her mind of the of his identity, including Star Sapphire's subconscious memories? No, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. I don't think he wipes her mind. I think he reads her mind. I think that he's... she basically it's it's almost you know what it's you know what I get the impression of when she's got you know she's got all like the stars going around her head and everything. It's kind of like the Norman Osborn Green Goblin thing. I think when, when Norman when Norman Osborn goes back to being Norman Osborn, you know when after he back the way it used to be where. It, he would have the fits and the spells, and he'd become Green Goblin. And then after Spider-Man would kick his ass, and he'd go back, and for a while he'd be Norman Osborn without any memory of being, of being Green Goblin and whatever he did as Green Goblin. I kind of think it's similar to that. That when she came out of it, that's why that's why he mentions that you know she uh, you know, doesn't understand that you know she's two people in one. That means she won't recall what happened to her. You know, it, it basically when she was Star Sapphire. So to her, Star Sapphire, she isn't Star Sapphire. So she also doesn't have the, the memories. Of Star Sapphire, so she doesn't know that Hal and Green Lantern are one and the same, minus the cheekbones. <laughs> so, so then essentially, what you're saying is, by the next time we see Star Sapphire in the Silver Age, she should know who Green Lantern is. Yes, she should. She should know that. Okay, I guess we'll 
have to remember to keep an eye out for that when we eventually get to that issue, whenever that may be. That's true. That's another one we can we could do a a, a peek see and figure out when it happens and see if we can do that one. Okay. Well, we're not trying to actively stretch this into a long episode, so uh, good night, I everybody. Have any other, <laughs> I don't think I have any other uh, any other things to bring up. So you want to take the next part then? Alrighty. Oh, I think I just and I just tore the page on my issue ever so slightly. That sucks. Oh uh, well. <laughs> D- Damn you, Merwin! <laughs> so we're doing the backup story. The world was in the power ring, and even though, he, other than his kind of like his hairstyle, he doesn't really look anything like. Color-wise, he doesn't look like Merwin. But this is the this is the introductory the introdu- story the introduction of the you know the magician the wizard Merwin who made his grand reappearance and I forget what number issue in the Morrison run six or seven or something like that that and and when, and when Hal was basically stuck inside inside his own power ring now yes there's a lot of problems with why that that world would exist in the power ring that he currently had but let's <laughs> but let's move beyond that at least in the context of this story it kind of makes a little bit of sense. So you have the you know the splash page with Mirror Widden. It's like you were a fool to come here without your power ring, Green Lantern. While my magic keeps you a prisoner in this world, I shall return to Earth and take over the planet you are sworn to protect. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like I mentioned a few few minutes ago, we have a the opening is Hal talking to Pi. Uh, he's talking to Tom about the fact that uh, jumping fish hooks. When he's telling, hey, I gotta tell you the story about how I was inside the power ring and I was taking on the sorcerer. And, and Tom's like, put down the weed, man. <laughs> no, actually, they're, they're drinking coffee. In quotes. Coffee. We don't know what's in those cups. <laughs> but we find out that Hal basically, he was flying around and he sees this, this doppelganger seemingly of Abensur coming at him, you know, making some, ma- making energy construct hammers coming after him. And, you know, Hal's obviously confused since he knows, as well as we all know, that Ebensur is dead. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Hal, Hal's you know able to fight fight off what's going on this attack by quote unquote Ebensur, and Hal's like he disappeared like magic. Good call, Hal. And and Hal doesn't quite understand what's going on. It's like wow, I wonder if this really was magic. <laughs> Golly gee, Fonz. <laughs> So Hal asks his power ring, hey, what happened? And yes, his power ring goes, hey, guess what? That was magic. You know why? And then we get this flashback to a tale of Abensurge when he was sent by the Guardians to this planet that was being tormented by Mirwidden, this great sorcerer. And Mirwidden was using, you know, he was able to control everything, you know, buildings, uh, volcanoes, everything. He was able to go after Abensur. He creates this whole... They almost looked like, like Val, Valhalla-like warriors that were in yellow coming after Abensur, and of course they're yellow, so he was up the creek. But Abensur is pretty smart, so he basically <laughs> he kind of like explodes the the mountain slash volcano that they were that Mirwidden was standing on. So he stuns Mirwidden. Mirwidden starts uh, reciting one of his uh, not so dirty limericks like he likes to use to cast a spell. Abensur, you know. He clamps his trap shut with a with a, with a construct uh, energy construct over his mouth. He muzzles him, and then basically he shrinks him down to, and he puts him inside his power ring. 
on this little crappy little world that, that he created where his magic was not going to have any effect at all. And he, he, so it's this barren little world with one little plant, one little tree to give him fruit. <laughs> so, he loves, so at least he won't get scurvy, Chad. And a pot to piss in. Well, he's got the whole planet to piss in, really. <laughs> but you're right. There's a hole in that tree. He could, well, no, let's not even go there. <laughs> but as time goes by, I'm, because Abin Sur is dead, but Mir Widden is not aware of this is why it's happening. But basically the non-magic that Abin Sur did, the power ring enchantment, <laughs> the power of the power ring, and since it was tied to Abin Sur's will, and... It starts fading over time, and of course, Mir Widen starts. He gets his powers back. He starts creating this world to make to make it much more hospitable. Let's just say, and then he plans on destroying. He he's able to use his power enough to where he's able to make a plan to get out to deal with Abin Sur, assuming Abin Sur is still the current Green Lantern. Supposedly, when Hal's getting his, all this info from the ring, he asks the ring, it's like, had the magical Green Lantern been made invulnerable to me as it was to Abin Sur, would it have defeated me? And it's like, yes siree, Bob! <laughs> boop, boop, boop! So Hal's like, oh, this could be a problem. So Hal uses the power ring to basically shrink himself down inside the power ring. He confronts Mir Widen. Hal's able to, you know, Hal's able to do some pretty miraculous things even without you know creating constructs in here, vis- uh, visibly creating constructs. So Mir Widden somehow instantaneously, miraculously, conveniently believes that, oh my god, before Green Lantern shrunk, shrunk himself down here, he must have learned sorcery. He must have become a magician. And they, you know, they, so they keep having this, this battle of will slash magic, and <clears throat> and we and eventually you know we 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 find we find out in this that of course Hal. But Mir Widen didn't understand that, of course, Hal did was Hal still had his connection to the power ring because you have to be touching the power ring. And since Hal was physically completely inside the power ring, he still had a physical connection to it. So he was so he was so he was able to uh, so he was able to basically re re enchant. And I use enchant is is really the wrong word, but basically he was able to capture Mir Widen in a similar fashion to the way uh, Abin Sur did. And he just and he retrapped him inside the power ring, and that's kind of the uh, that was kind of the way the story ended. Yeah, um, compared to the one before it, it was a little less. Um, I don't I don't want to say thrilling or anything, but because that's not necessarily the word I'm looking for. But uh, but you said it, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, just. Not not uh, not as um, intensive an ish, uh, a story, I guess. Except for that one, that one panel when uh, when 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 they're dueling each other, when that 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 pink winged demon-like creature seems to be planting a big one on the other guy. <laughs> Alien snake sex. <laughs> he looks he looks like he's, they're making they're making out, man. Hey man, that's, that's all you need. <laughs> well, he has been uh, trapped there a long time. <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Any port in the storm. <laughs> I thought that was Hal. <laughs> <laughs> but Hal has other ports he can go to. Mir Widen's kind of <laughs> he's a one, he's a one trick pony. Um, no, no, I, it was it was definitely a cool issue. You know, it just made me think I wanted 
what I want is like a series where someone just goes and elaborates on all the shit that uh, Abinsur did. Like, give me a flashback series in continuity and take some cues from some of the Silver Age things. Because clearly, like, you kind of have the basic uh, building blocks of the story, but you don't really have the full story of how uh, Abin initially encountered Merwidden. Uh you know, how that confrontation went, what he was sent there for, um, in terms of, like, was he there to confront him? Yes, but what did Mirwitten do? That sort of a thing. How did he do it? Where did he come from? All that sort of stuff. Is he a native to that planet? Or, you know, that sort of stuff. So it just, it, it'd be cool to have, like, a an Avin Sur flashback series, I guess. Still better than the Simon Baz series. <laughs> I'll, I'll sign for Abin Sir. Give me Abin Sir any day of the week. Everybody, because lo- Abin, we all love Abin Sir because he's because he's kind of a blank slate. <laughs> the many deaths of Abin Sir. <laughs> That's right. The many deaths of Abin Sir. Yeah, you can have fun with it. I, I just I, I think it'd be I think it'd be cool. And it was cool, obviously, to see. So it, it makes me wonder where did the cocky don't didn't think anything through how Jordan come from because like some of these issues in the Silver Age, of course they're all very Silver Agey, but how went into this thing with a plan? <laughs> he was like, you know what, I'm gonna go into the ring, but uh, he's gonna think that I don't have any powers, but I'm actually in contact with the ring, so I'm gonna pass it off as magic. Like he went in with a freaking plan. Where'd that Hal Jordan come from? <laughs> That is true. We do we do actually see quite quite a few of these stories that in which Hal actually does think um, and spend some time coming up with a plan before just jumping in. I mean, the story makes it seem like he just jumped straight in, but clearly he came up with a plan, and he's like thinking stuff through. He's like, uh, what did he say? He said. Uh, I noticed that his power ring failed to glow when he sent the hammer and anvil at me, so I knew he wasn't a legitimate Green Lantern. You know, like, freaking detecting stuff over here. That is true. That that was that was something when I read it. I, I did notice that, that he was like, yeah, it's like it, it it wasn't glowing. But we saw that before with, with the uh, with the tattooed man, right, with, with the fact that he's able to pick up that basically, like, he can only focus on, like, one construct at a time or whatever it was. He can only put his full devotion to that and, yeah. and his concentration, if his concentration gets broken and or it gets split and, yeah, so. <clears throat> I had to figure out where this uh, cocksure doesn't think of anything – uh, how Jordan comes from, because I mean he's definitely you know Chuck Yeager with a power ring, but at the same time, uh, you know, in very boisterous and womanizing or or whatever uh, in the Silver Age. But that's just almost at this point seems like just a trope of the Silver Age, not necessarily of how, because he is thinking things through, he is making plans. So when did that become a definitive character trait for him? That would be interesting to follow. That is true. In search of. <laughs> and here's hoping nobody finds that case book. That is true. Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, luckily that uh, Tom didn't get so disgruntled after uh, after what happened in Emerald Twilight that he just said, Here, Inquirer, take this. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I can make a bundle. Really, re- really revive my gas station business. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, what's what, what do we want to talk about next? The ads? Yeah, let's do the ads because I got to be honest with you. There's, there's not there's not that much in, in this issue in particular that Im- that impressed me. Well, let's start with the the you get what you vote for thing. Yeah, I guess w- we can just start at the front and page towards the back, huh? Yeah, that was that was kind of a unique. Um... Uh, basically, saying and explaining to kids in a a unique way why voting is important and you need to show up for it. So I think that's cool. I actually screenshot it. I'm going to share it on social media. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. What's next? The next one's not for another couple of I know. They don't really have a lot. Untold, the untold stories of Superman revealing the secret origins of Superman's costume, red and green kryptonite, the Superman of Krypton, also these inside first, Superboy's first day at school, Mixie's Pitlick's first prank, and when Lois first suspected Clark. These great stories and others in the 8th Giant Annual. On sale ain't everywhere. And Superman looks quite chubby in that center panel. <laughs> I think that's what they mean when they say uh, a barrel chest. <laughs> Connected to a fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Superman dick. Uh, uh, then what? We get the flat. We get the Flash in the Justice League ad. That's the next one. Yeah. Uh, is this the first appearance of Trickster? Because Trickster has a a giant uh, uh, presence on this cover. Featuring the Paris Pursuit of the Trickster. What issue? I know it's hard. To, it's hard to see. One forty-two. I think. I think that's what it is. Oh, you're right. Underneath, it's it's a little clearer. Uh, let's see. First appearance of Trickster. Wasn't there a Golden Age Trickster though? I think you were correct. Um, First appearance of Silver Age Tricks. Um. No, it's not. It's not first appearance. Uh, I guess it was. Uh, one thirteen. Yeah. So definitely not. I do like this cover of Justice League though. That's cool. I don't think I've ever actually seen that in back issue bins. I mean, I know it's a very old issue. Um, this looks like, guys, if you want to look up the cover, this is Justice League number 25, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. It's so hard to read. A five-star spectacular, Outcasts of Infinity. It's cool. Um, but the one I really like is this ad for the fastest cars in the world. Get ready for Christmas. Get set to beat every kid on the block. Go with Model Motoring by Aurora, the road racing set that features the fastest cars in the world. And it catches my eye, not because of any of the text or anything, but that blue car is a 1963 Corvette, which is my favorite car of all time. Because of the day uh, of the year that this was published, that is definitely the body. And now the body for the for the mid '60s vets is basically identical between years. But if you look, 
it looks like if you look behind the driver, it looks like uh, to the driver's back right, uh, or yeah, back right, there's a piece of window pane. And then to his back left, uh, it, in the sliver uh, of the driver's window, there's another pane. But there's a black bar in between. The 63 Vet is the only year that uh, that Chevy ever did a split window in the back. Uh, so it's sometimes very hard to tell with front front views of, of these cars. It's, it's very clearly a Stingray. It's, it's, it's absolutely a Vet. But... Uh, sometimes it can be hard to tell in the 60, 64, 65 era uh, which is which, but uh, from from a front end view, because that's really the only thing that changed. But that's that looks like a split window to me. It's interesting that they're an HO scale, which means they're pretty small. They're not super small, but they're 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 not big. How what's what's the difference uh, in size then? <laughs> To, to compare it to compare it to for people who maybe are not familiar with what you're talking about, like between Micro Machine versus uh, a, a Hot Wheel. So I'm, tr- so I'm trying to what I'm trying to remember is trains. I'm trying. I think the train sets I used to have were HO scale. I think they were H. And and the original first soldiers that I used to have the plastic Airfix soldiers were. Which I think, I think the close, the closest that comes to mind, and my, because I know the, the HO scale I know are bigger than 15 millimeter figures because that's the scale of the metal figures that I, that this metal soldiers that I, I've collected for, not so much anymore, but I had, I had collected on and off since like I was like 18, so that I switched the. The 15 millimeter and they're much and HO scale figures are much bigger than that, so they might be closer to 25 millimeter figures. I don't know. I'm trying to put it in perspective of yeah, it it kind. I maybe well, maybe I can look maybe I can look up what the actual measurements of an HO scale is, but but because they're, because they're cars, because they're cars, um, I'm not. I'm not sure they they can't be they can't be too big. That's the HO scale. And let's see what is the a 1.87 scale for railroads is the most popular scale in the in the world. The model the gauge is 16.5 millimeters. Um, but a lot of this is based on trains. That's what I'm that's what I'm trying to see. Um, let's see. It's, but that's definitely yeah. Those are definitely the trains. Those are definitely the trains that I had. Let's see if, let's see if, if there's anything specifically related to cars. HO scale cars. Uh, which is funny. It says the the alternate selection was ho scale cars. <laughs> I like the hoes. Uh, do they give? I'm just trying to see if they give you a breakdown on what size some, some of these things are. Um, it's hard, but it, it obviously is. Like I said, it's a common. Well, eh, they may they may not they may not be super tiny if they're if if they're. Because I'm think, see, in my mind, I'm thinking that they that they're going to be scaled in relation to the 
they got to be small because I'm thinking in relation to the train. But obviously the scale is uniform regardless of whether you're making figures or toys. I mean, it's not like they're going in. It's not like they have to be in sync. Uh, because I'm thinking about it. The yeah, I can't. I off quickly on a quick. You know, I can't. I maybe I, as we're talking about something else, maybe I can find more information about the car about cars, the actual scale. But <laughs> but it's not. But again, like I said, based on just on on the act on, on and the HO scale figure is probably somewhere between. Uh, it's probably somewhere close to maybe like 25 millimeters, or maybe 20 between 20 and 25 millimeters, based on my recollection. Ah, uh, yeah, I would definitely want this 63 vet. I've got a couple of various. 63 vets uh, in in different forms around the place. It's definitely some something I would I would want to have. See if they have this somewhere in the world. Maybe I'll check eBay or something. Um, and then how about this man? You could get 16 issues for a dollar sixty. Oh, a two year subscription offer. Yeah, I did notice that. That was that was that was that was pretty neat. Um, of course, you have, you only have limited options. Um, but I don't think that Jimmy Olsen one's going to be a big seller. <laughs> I definitely get Adventure Comics Flash and Green Lantern. Those, those, those are those are definitely ones I would I would have gotten for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I would get Green Lantern. I, I maybe I would have gotten the Flash and Superboy or Action, but I don't think I, I would definitely would not have gotten Jimmy Olsen. Uh, what's the, then they have like the little educational section. What's the difference between destroy, demolish, and raise? And you can tell it's of a very specific era, especially when you get to the very, very end where it says, in general, all these, uh, all three terms imply reducing a thing to uselessness. Specifically, to destroy is to reduce a thing to nothingness or to such a state that restoration is impossible to destroy a building by fire. <coughs> To demolish is to destroy an organized body or structure by complete separation of its parts. To demolish an automobile. To raise is to level down to the ground. And the example is to raise an enemy war factory. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that, even though it's not an ad, that's one of my favorite little things in this, uh, in this, in this book. Stamp collection looks like. Yeah, that's not that's not unsurprising that we have that we have stamps. Uh, yeah, not, definitely not a lot of ads. You get you you're getting you're getting your bang for your for your whopping twelve cents in this issue from an ad perspective. Uh, Giant Batman annual. Mm. This one, um, case of the Gotham City Safari creature from the Green Lagoon. The Danger Club and Mystery of the Four Batman. The reign of the Batman is upon us. <laughs> Ahead of its time. Uh, meteorites. A little educational section. Yeah, that's kind of a reach, though. I'm not quite sure of why. But Matchbox. Now you're reading a book about a space hero. I guess, yeah. The Matchbox models are cool. Which is funny because you look at it and some of those things really don't didn't change over time. Mm. Uh, like the the armored car, the bulldozer, and even the tow truck looked fairly similar. 
uh, to things that I know that I had. Uh, even though, to be fair, the tow truck, I, the tow truck I had might have been Hot Wheels. That might have been a Hot Wheels. Um, <clears throat> but it's interesting they referred to them as models because they are just, you know, they're already built. Yeah, that's true. All models die cast, moving parts. You're right. Instead of just saying it, instead of just calling them match, you know, matchbox cars or matchbox toys, they did model. But I don't. But I don't remember when matchbox. I don't remember when matchbox was born. Um, so that might have been a. That might have been an evol an evolution. Let's. So. Of how they you know of how they were labeled things might have. Things might have changed. So let's see what else we have in here. Uh, yeah, the World War II command, the GIs and the commandos would have been probably the most interesting thing to me. Even though I must admit this, as far as as far as selling this by the ad alone, this is one to me. This is a relatively uh, boring or a lot. It, it's not enthralling. It does not. Dr- it does not draw me in and say, "Oh yes, like so many of the other soldiers and um, and toys and games that they pushed that in the history of comic books, which are tons, that they don't." This one does not seem overly thrilling to me, based on the description or even the little the little artwork to t- you know to try to tell the story. It just doesn't do nearly as much for me as. Uh, 1953 was Matchbox when it first started. I don't know, man. They're taking apart a tank with a bazooka. They're shooting down a water tower around the enemy. The enemy is sniping at them uh, from a house on a hill. Someone's throwing grenades. It's pretty action heavy. I mean, it is action heavy. It, it does. It, I don't know. There's something about it that just doesn't seem. I don't know, maybe it's the uniforms of the soldiers. I don't know. There's something about I mean, don't get me wrong. If I was a kid and, and this was – I was reading this at the time, it's like uh, 99 cents, sure. Send it in. Mm. Um, plus – even though it's funny, plus 25 cents postage, which obviously was a hell of a lot of postage back then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and handling, it's a total of twenty-four. <clears throat> no cash on delivery. Learn radio, television, electronics. I guess that's a little more serious, <laughs> serious ad. Yeah, I mean, I thought I, I, you know, learning a trade, especially when radio and television are up and coming at the time. I guess it makes sense. People thought it was the the wave of the future, and you know, hey, they'll always need technicians for these. So, yeah, that is true. And then we get what our final final ad for what appears to be slot racing. <clears throat> Interesting, uh, especially with the slot race. I can't imagine this thing working that well because those little pins on the bottom of the cars had to fit in those little slots on the track so easily. So to to have them have the ability to cross lanes in midair as it jumps off a track onto the other, I can't imagine there were a lot of instances where the the car would jump off the track onto the other track and stick in the slot it was supposed to rather than going spinning off. I would agree. Just just based on my slot racing experience, which obviously was more in the in the seventies and into the early eighties that 
just considering the sets that it, like they didn't they didn't really start coming out even though it's a different kind of technology but they didn't really start coming out with technology where you could race up walls and stuff until like the 80s so you go back to go back to different slot racing sets that we anybody who's ever used a slot racing set knows that depending on the car that you have you just have to just going around a turn could be problematic enough if you go too fast because you spin out and all of a sudden you're 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 off the track. Yeah, because the the only pin is in the front end, and the back end can go spinning right. Off. Yeah, so if you start fishtailing or something, then yes, it's real. Yeah. It's real easy to. So, which then leads, to, which of course always leads to the slot racing fun of, of a pileup if you have other cars coming after you and you're blocking both tracks, both lanes. Boom! Hours <laughs> of fun, guys. That's Traffic right. accidents That's and right. slowdowns on the highway. That's where I learned to drive. Uh, <laughs> But slot, you know, slot racing is fun. It's, it's one of those things that... Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of... I mean, I'm sure they still make some slot racing sets, but it's... I think it's kind of kind of a lost art. I think it's... Because, because when you really think about it conceptually, even though there's a lot of things when you're thinking about it conceptually are not overly thrilling, but just the idea of watching these things go in circles and circles and circles. And now, now the more elaborate your track is and you, when you, you know, weaves around, like goes over and under and you have an overpass and think, then it's more thrilling. But, but some of the, you know, some of the you know, original sets were just, you know, basically just some kind of oval or a little kind of maybe a, a, a little variation on that. But basically it would, it more or less would just be it kind of be like watching like watching a tennis match it's just 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 moving your head from side to side and then just waiting to see which you know to see which car would come off the track first <laughs> but still it's it, it's a relatively it's it's still more was more fun and less problematic than the old electronic football games where the players were just no matter what you did with those player bases they would go whatever direction they wanted to go in <laughs> I found some of these uh, HO uh, vets from this set. On what? On eBay? On eBay. Obviously not like the entire set. Um, well, no. The, someone's selling an entire set for 250 bucks. They have a date? Uh, but there's a, they have the date so you know they're the same ones? Uh, it says... Vintage Aurora HO Vibrator Slot 4-Car Set with Original Boxes, Corvette Complete. And the uh, image seems to be the same as, or similar to what we see in this ad. It's the Thunderjet stuff. Excuse me. It's not, surpri- it's not surprising, actually. Because uh... I'm looking at the, actually, I found a blue uh, 63 Vet. And, uh, yeah, Vintage Aurora T-Jet number 1356 HO slot car 1963 Corvette Sting Blue. Uh, it is $68. I mean, it's from the 60s, so I, I can definitely see it being that much. But, man, I don't know if I could spend, justify myself spending $70 on, uh, so the car's got some interesting mechanics on the bottom too. Yeah. So if so if the if if slot if the slot car if slot cars are basically H <clears throat> I don't know if they're all HO scales, but if that is your typical HO scale, then essentially we're talking about just your typical size of a Matchbox car, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, it looks like these came in different colors and styles too, because I googled or I eBay searched Aurora HO Corvette. 
uh, and I got multiple results. So it looks like you, you you could have got the car, the same car, but in different colors because there's a uh, T-Jet HO slot car 1963 Corvette Stingray yellow. That's 4553. I guess everybody wants the blue one. The blue was a beautiful color. My favorite color, I would want, uh, I would want like a, a candy apple red with uh, some sort of, because I don't think, I don't think the, the factory put these out, but I would want candy apple red, but the interior like a, uh, a lighter, uh, light beige sort of color saddle leather. I think that would be cool interior that'd be that'd be nice but uh yeah the blue i think was the that sort of sky sky sort not not necessarily as light as sky but uh, a little darker so it's sort of almost sky blue uh 63 vet that was a pretty popular color for that vehicle it's when you see a lot of ads for it and stuff that's that's when you'll see it i don't, I don't know what it is about the 63 vet that uh i love so much i'm I, i'm not a gearhead by any stretch of the imagination but uh some yeah, you know, I see that car. I, ever since I, I, any time I see that car, I just go, ooh, I want. Like I stop. I I remember I was drive. My parents were driving down the street somewhere in Austin, and someone had, uh, someone had uh, a '63 Vet on the back of a tow truck, and not like it was broken or anything. They were just hauling it, um, and it had pulled into like a gas station or something, and I insisted that they go pull over and <laughs> let us take a look at it real quick. <laughs> I just, I, I really love that freaking car. I'm tempted to get one of these, one of these slot cars. Cause that's, that's a nice little interesting piece of history. It's, it is interesting from a slot car perspective, how that, cause that used to, I mean, it used to be big. I mean, slot cars used to be, I mean, I honestly, I, I'm thinking, I was thinking about this as we were talking. I think I still have, I think downstairs I still have like the last slot car set that I ever had, which was from the, which is one of those sets that can go up the wall. Uh, I think I got that in the early '80s. I think it was early, early '80s. That I, I because I remember whether you went to like KB or whether you went to a, a toy store or a hobby store. It's kind of like whether they would have, you know, the, you'd have that section for slot cars. But basically, they had, they would have different. So you could buy different slot cars and have them in these big bulky plastic cases, and you'd pick them out, you know. And you, so I, so slot car racing used to be, used to be really big. Just like I mean, just like Matchbox, you know, collecting Matchbox and everything and Hot Wheels. It's still, I mean, from a collector's perspective, there's still a market for it. There's no doubt. But I think from a, I don't know if certainly from a slot racing perspective, I don't, I just don't think that slot racing is nearly as popular as as it used to be. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, though. For sure. Uh, Green Lantern's mail shoot? I reckon so. You want to go first or you want me to go first? You talk first, I talk first. Who talks, you, you go first. <laughs> All right. So Green Lantern's mail shoot. This is the uh, letter column in the issue uh, from the fans at the time. And since we're covering these... Silver Age stories and, you know, Golden Age stories and all this stuff. Uh, it's almost like a sort of audio historical archive of some of this stuff. Uh, and, you know, uh, these issues aren't really often reprinted with the ads in the letter column. So this is something that we can get down on audio for you guys to listen to in the future if you if you ever uh, want to go back to it. But 
Um, the first letter says, Dear Editor, I want to congratulate you on the September issue of Green Lantern. Both stories were excellent, and the artwork, as always, great. In the lead story, Threat of the Tattooed Man, the villainous Abel Tarrant was very original and unique. The idea of the tattoos not appearing to be yellow, although containing yellow chemicals mixed uh, in and overshadowed by darker, darker chemicals, was ingenious. The way Green Lantern outsmarted Abel Tarrant by protecting himself with his mask was very clever and showed quick thinking on the part of the Emerald Gladiator. The second story, The Green Lantern Disasters, was wonderful. The appearance of the mysterious Guardians brought back the air of mystery present in the first several issues of Green Lantern. You have once again kept the ideal balance in your books by giving GL another adventure in space. I was glad to see the appearance of Zax, the grasshopperish Green Lantern, in another sector of the universe, and I like the way Green Lantern and Zax worked together to defeat Zorks and his <laughs> gang of criminal wasps. Nick Gualteri, 132 Methyl Street, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the editor says, while most of our readers got a kick out of the portrayal of Zax, the grasshopper-like Green Lantern, a few had a different kind of kick, as per the letter that followers. It's the note from the editor. Dear editor, I don't go along with a grasshopper Green Lantern at all. I've gone along with all sorts of weird creatures from other worlds, such as blue and red and green-skinned aliens, aliens that were mostly all head <laughs> or made of rock, metal or glass, even four-armed, six-legged aliens, but at a grasshopper alien, I balk. <laughs> That's classic. I don't think it has any place in, in, in an otherwise very fine comic magazine. William T. Arendale, 957 Osceola Street, Denver. I don't know what, what Denver 4, Colorado is. Um, it has been said that if we relate, as is from the editor, it has been said that if we relate the development of life on Earth to a 24-hour day, the entire history of mammals would occupy only one hour, and that of man only a few seconds. So who are we to say which of nature's creatures will rule the Earth one minute from now, or who is the dominant life form on another world? Actually, a very smart response. In your face, William! <laughs> Science! Uh, <laughs> dear editor, we sympathize with Hal Jordan's efforts to win Carol Ferris without revealing his secret identity to her because Hal wants love, not hero worship from the woman he weds. But he shows poor judgment in dating her both as Green Lantern and Hal Jordan. This leads Carol to believe that both men love her and that she may be able to choose between the two. How can she make such a choice? Both men possess the same intelligence, personality, and physical appearance, for they are, in reality, the same man. What? <laughs> the only difference between the two is in their occupations. Hal Jordan is a test pilot and Green Lantern an interplanetary crime fighter. Does Hal want Carol to love him just because he is a test pilot rather than a crime fighter? What could be the purpose of that? Yet this is the only reason she could have for preferring him to Green Lantern. If Hal wants to learn... If he can win Carol on his own merits, he must quit courting her as Green Lantern. Then he can compete with uh, other suitors instead of his alter ego for her favor. Warren Wilde and Richard Helgeson, uh, 1002 East College, Iowa City, Iowa. The point you miss is that Hal, as himself, actively pursues Carol, while as Green Lantern he is the object of her affection and pursuit. That's a note from the editor. Take that, guys. 
A very wordy letter. I just shut down. <laughs> he, he, he's on a roll. And, of course, I get stuck with the really long letter. <laughs> All right. Dear editor, I don't know what it is that my letters don't have since none of them has – oh, that's right, why this place so long. <laughs> none of them has a major letter column yet, but I'll keep trying till one of them strikes the right note. Oh. Your current issue, Threat of the Tattooed Man, presented one of the most unique villains that I have ever seen in a long time. He even tops the colorful villains of The Flash. His unique, unique, his uniqueness consists of the marvelous tattoos. What an idea! And this, and our society these days, that's not an idea. <laughs> and that he's just not an ordinary crook robbing the world, but he has one set goal in mind: stealing that Cranfield treasure. That's what I like about Green Lantern's villains. They're so out of the ordinary. Concerning these villains, I'm glad that you're adding a few more. And I won't complain as long as you keep them unique and don't overuse them. One objection I had about the villainous Sinestro when he was first featured was his every other issue appearance. Since he hasn't appeared so much lately, I'm beginning to appreciate him more. Maybe it's just getting harder for you to think of clever ways for him to escape the traps that GL constantly puts him in, huh? Before closing, I must mention the second story in the September issue, The Green Lantern Disasters. It was great! One of the strongest points of your magazine is the excellent second stories. Arnold Seacrest, 1420 Southeast 15th Street, West Lynn, Oregon. Editor, the reason for Sinestro's rapid-fire reappearances was due to his refusal to take a breather before striking back at his foe again. Now that he's been captured for the umpteenth time by Cree Lantern, he's biding his time, carefully plotting a plan of action that will surely, in quotes, bring him victory over his nemesis. <laughs> that 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 response wasn't nearly as good as the editor's other responses. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, I, I I think these are cool little slices of history, honestly. And we've actually we we've actually already covered. Uh, the issue of Green Lantern they're referring to with the threat of the tattooed man. That was one of our prior Silver Age coverage issues. Uh, so you guys are, feel free to, to go listen to that. I'm trying to find the issue or the episode number that we did that on. Uh, let's see. That would be... Come on. 378, I think. Yes. Yep, that's 378. So if you guys want to uh, listen to that, uh, yeah, feel free to. Uh, that's uh, speaking to what Mark was saying earlier. That's one one of the few issues of the Silver Age that I actually own a hard copy of. Uh, I I mean, technically, I have hard copies of all the Silver Age stuff because I have the Silver Age Omnibuy. But um, in terms of just my own floppy issues, I think I maybe have. I want to say close to 15, um, 10 or 15 Silver Age issues. Um, and to, to me, I, I don't know about you guys, but I consider Silver Age the, the point, um, obviously from Showcase uh, 22 on over to um, – am I mixing – that's right, right? So Showcase 22, am I, why am I – I think that is correct because they, they kind of mentioned – they referenced that in this issue, I believe. 
Yeah, I'm just, I was just making sure. It's one of those times, like, you know, when you're spelling a word, and you're like, wait, that doesn't look right. It's like you've spelled the old word. <laughs> so you look, yeah. at any, you look at any word long enough, and it looks spelled wrong. Is Vaughn really spelled that way? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound right. It's, it's, so when I said Showcase 22, it's like all my knowledge went out the window. It's like, is it really Showcase 22? Yep. But I consider the Silver Age of Green Lantern to be Showcase 22 all the way up until... Uh, Green Lantern 75, which is right before the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, uh, Hard Traveling Heroes run. So, um, yeah, between those uh, between those two bench points, I think I have 10 to 15 issues of from the Silver Age. I'll have to look into that and see what other issues I actually have that we could cover. Because actually, you know what? I don't think we've ever actually covered Green Lantern 40, which is the one I like to talk about so much. Yeah, I don't think we have. Yeah, that that for those of you playing along at home, that's the first crossover uh, in the Green Lantern title between Alan Scott and Hal Jordan. And we didn't do the, did we do, we never did the first Sinestro, did we? I don't know. Let's find out. I guess these are some more things that we can think about adding to our list, guys. So if you think can think of anything you'd like us to cover, um, feel free to let us know. Uh, let us know what you'd like to see us cover, as well as let you know. Let us know what you think about these Silver Age uh, issue recaps. I mean, these are these are a lot of fun, and we get to talk about the ads and the letter columns and everything. So, if they want to to contact us and tell us what they think about this, or give us suggestions for future episodes, uh, now that we're you know new material less, what do you uh, what do you think they should do? I will do that, but don't don't say goodbye quite yet after we do that. <laughs> I, I, I did I I did not even have my op, my uh, information at, ready at the top at the drop of a hat because I was not ready yet. But nonetheless, lanterncast at gmail.com, like we mentioned before, seven oh eight lantern is the voicemail. So that is if you want to speak in quotes to us, if you would like to, to play your message on the air, that's that's you're pretty much it's a slam dunk. If you give us a voicemail, unless you're like dropping f bombs or being completely inappropriate, you'll, you'll probably you'll probably make it on. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, so please leave us a positive review wherever you listen to us. And you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to find us there. Um, so let's Perfect. see. So number so let's see. Number one. Uh, you. You must have mixed feelings about Venom. Yeah. Um, so it's being postponed until next summer. I think that was already sort of known. Um, but the title is Let There Be Carnage, I think. Yes, I think that is, is that correct. It? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it, 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 it should realistically be Maximum Carnage. I know that that elicits certain... Uh, story arc and i know that a lot of people would expect it to be if it was named that expect it to be pulling from that uh story arc uh because of the name but honestly speaking as long as the quality of the story is good i I don't really give a crap if it's actually a straight-up adaptation of maximum carnage but maximum carnage is the most iconic well-known carnage related story arcs and it's just such a good i mean hell it's spawned a freaking video game so like i i really think they should have they should have went with that but you know whatever 
I'll judge it based on the trailers that that, that come out and not the the title. But the title does it rolls off the tongue weird. That is that is true. It is it is disappointing that they moved it. Not necessarily surprising that they moved it. And we'll have to, and we'll still have to see how much more gets moved. It may not, because uh, certainly at least even in a modified state, you were going to assume that uh, the theaters will be open by then. It's probably going to be organized in a different way. It'll be really curious how they handle, if, they, if they're going to include social distancing in their ticket sales, how are they going to do that? Are they going to like put a hold on uh, reserved seating? You know, are they going to do that? Because, or are they going to, because how are you going to randomly decide which seats are going to be available? I mean, yes, you can do it, but again, it's it's really it's really shaky. It's like, oh, we, we can't. You're not going to have any two seats next to each other. Well, what happens if two people are going together? So they might. I would kind of suspect they'd be more likely to do away with reserved seating for a while, just because that way people always have the option of being able to sit further away from other people. And not sitting next to people that are already there, you know, making sure you leave three to four seats all, all at least between uh, groups of people. But uh, related to that, since, since we've talked about it a lot, obviously now we know Black Widow is coming out in for now. It's coming out in November. They, that all the Marvel movies got punted and kicked the, that can got kicked down the road. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm sure there'll be more more movement. Like the odds of Wonder Woman sticking in what August? That's probably not going to happen. And the DC, a lot of a lot of DC movies changed too. Almost everything got pushed. Everything. So look out, about Shazam. Shazam got pushed back. Flash. Flash. No, Flash got pushed up actually, which is a joke because you know it's never going to happen. I mean, if the odds of it happening, even without the whole Ezra Miller debacle, uh, that movie's been in such pre-production hell. The odds of that movie being they because they actually they moved it up. I'm trying to think what was the other one they moved back. Was it Aqu- was it Aquaman? No, it was it was Batman. It was uh it was uh Matt Reeves uh the Pattinson the movie. Batman. Yeah, Pattinson's no. movie got got pushed back a little bit. So so uh, it probably will not be the last of movies to to be shuffled around. It will be curious to see how that how that pans out. So I did want to mention I wanted to mention that, that and. Should wish Jackie Nodell a happy birthday before that tell still technically is her birthday <laughs> as we record. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jackie Nodell, happy birthday. And uh, hope everything is going well with the new little one. For sure. Indeed. And that, uh, for those of you who don't know, shame on you. Because you should recognize the last name. Uh, that would be Jackie Nodell, as in granddaughter of Martin Nodell, creator of Green Lantern. And friend of us. Yes. More importantly, so. <laughs> <laughs> Screw that history. <laughs> it just always feels weird, like, bringing that up. It's like, you know, we love her because of who her grandfather was. It's like, no, no, I mean, that's, that's not why, but it's why we got to know her. <laughs> that's true. I, I, I get it. You're right. Uh, but, yeah, happy birthday, Jackie. Indeed, have a good one. Or ha- I, we hope you have a good one because obviously, even as we're recording this, the day is about over. <laughs> All right. Um, we probably well, we know we we know what we have a choice of doing next. So I guess we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. 
Indeed we will. Good night, everybody. Good night.